We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation, as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction, starring score baseball insider Bruce Levine and half of Chicago's number one sports morning show, David Haw, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, a radio.com Sports Station, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. Good morning, Chicago. We are broadcasting through the Hyundai Sports Studios, and welcome to another edition of Inside the Clubhouse. I am David Hall with Bruce Levine, and welcome to our last weekend of baseball for a very long time. And while it's been a very busy week in Chicago with the Blackhawks scandal, Bears angst, we are still talking Cubs and White Sox as we do 52 weeks a year, right here on the score, 9 to 11. Bruce, there's a plenty, there's a lot going on to keep our interest and pique our curiosity. White Sox and Cubs both making some news. Been a quiet week, but uh, an eventful one. The World Series is now entering game four after a two to nothing victory by the Braves over the Astros last night. We'll get into that. We'll get into all of it. How are you doing this morning? Good morning, David. Yeah, I'm in, I'm excited about uh, the offseason here on Inside the Clubhouse. So, uh, our number for for your knowledge and for your use is three one two six four four six seven six seven. Call David and, and myself, and we'll uh, talk to you uh, Cubs, Sox, everything baseball. But uh, what I'm excited about is the the off season and when the off season free agent and trade market might begin. Will there be stealth teams like the Cubs and White Sox, David, who uh, jump out into the free agent and trade market? quickly before we know what the collective bargaining agreement deal is going to be. December 1st is when that's up. And uh, after that, all bets are off as to what the new rules will be in 2022. So from that perspective, will teams jump out quickly? November 8th begins the GM meetings in Carlsbad, uh, California. And uh, we will see if uh, they jump out there. In the meantime, uh, this week, as you said, uh, concludes the uh, the beginning of the end of the regular baseball season with the World Series ending uh, either in game five or six or seven here. We won't know uh, for another couple of days. But uh, locally, uh, we, we have uh, some interesting things going on with both teams. And uh, we're just going to have to, uh, every Saturday, join our great baseball fans in Chicago and and talk about what's 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 coming in the offseason, what's coming for both teams in 2022. 
Yeah, we'll look ahead, and we will do that. we got Bob Nightingale from USA Today at 9.30 joining us later in the program. Pat Hughes at 10.45, the newest member uh, of the Chicagoland Sports Hall of Fame. You know the voice well. We'll talk to Pat at 10.45. In between, Bruce, as you alluded to, we're going to look ahead. We're going to have some fun, and we're going to introduce a new segment at 10 o'clock called Chicago Bound, a brainchild of yours. It's going to be fun to consider who's coming and why they would want to be here, how they might fit with the Cubs and the White Sox. A lot of speculation, and I think um, that that's part of the offseason fun is to kind of speculate what trades make sense, what free agent signings uh, make sense, and, and then whose money we want to spend the most, Bruce. Let's start with the White Sox. The biggest news to me this week, and it wasn't really that big a news except for it was – Confirmed and removed the doubt, Tony LaRussa visiting a Bulls practice, announcing that he's coming back. So if there, anybody was wondering, well, maybe Tony LaRussa was had enough after one year, maybe he's one and done. No, Tony LaRussa tells Paul Sullivan of the Tribune that he's coming back. And I don't think many people would be surprised, Bruce, but what was your reaction just in hearing how it was handled and what he had to say? Well, I, I think it's uh, it's interesting because he left uh, the last game of uh, 2021 in, in pretty much of a rage about uh, the Houston Astros. And then he asked about his own coming back, said that uh, it's going to be totally up to uh, the management of the Chicago White Sox and the players. If they don't sign off on him and he doesn't hear that they want him back, regardless of his contract situation, he's not returning. Well, it was affirmative all the way around. Uh, Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu spoke soon afterwards and said that uh, they they not only expect Tony to be back, but they want him back and the team wants them back. So it was a a slam dunk. But uh, as you said, uh, Paul Sullivan uh, caught up with uh, Tony at a Bulls practice. Tony was uh, there just uh, checking in with his old friend, uh, Billy Donovan, who uh, he goes way back with. You know, he's got a – Tony has a – how does yeah. he go way back with Billy Donovan? Well, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell I'm you. I'm curious. That's a fascinating little tidbit. He has the strongest coaches union uh, get-togethers of anybody in sports. Uh, he is uh, best friends with Bill Belichick. He was uh, very friendly with Phil Jackson when he was here as a coach. Uh, he is uh, uh, great friends with Bobby Knight. Uh, he, uh, he has picked the brain and become friends of, uh, coaches in other sports to the point where they have, um, shared information about coaching and, uh, you know, he it just has this, this great, uh, great group of uh, coaches that he goes back with. And Billy Donovan is one of them. I thought you were going to tell me he played for James Naismith. I wasn't sure where you were going with that. There you go. You know, every week it's uh, age discrimination with you. No, no, it's not. I'm just making a bad joke. (laughs) So Tony's coming back. He tells Sully he's coming back and he's excited about next season. And we'll get into some of the the specifics. It is interesting, as we'll also look at later, why we have heard from Tony before we've heard from Rick Hahn. But, Bruce, you know, in the managing world, there's been a lot of – um, speculation and a big move this week in Major League Baseball that has some Chicago connections. Bob Melvin leaves the Oakland A's, one of the best managers in baseball, to take the job with the San Diego Padres, and he got the job over our guy Ozzie Guillen. What was your surprise level? Well, number one, when you found out Ozzie was in the mix to the degree that he was, and number two, Bob Melvin would leave a job where he has been 
for a very long time and succeeded as well. Well, Ozzy's uh, well-deserving of uh, being a uh, manager again. And, and for the life of me, I don't know why it's gone now 10 years in between stops. We know it was a bumpy road in Miami, and some of the commentary wasn't great, and it, it led to uh, Ozzy not being there. But you know, people forget what a great people manager that Ozzy Gein is, a, guy, a great manager of uh, players. Um, you know, a, a great tactician, a, a, a most interesting and fascinating baseball man. Uh, people have the, the great um, the great chance to listen to him before and after uh, White Sox games on uh, on NBC Sports Chicago, and and, and it's always intriguing, interesting, and honest. Uh, so I don't know why Ozzy hasn't gotten a job. I thought this was a perfect mix for him with Tatis uh, Jr. there and with Machado there and both of them having nine more years left on contracts, or in the case of Tatis, maybe 12 more years left on a contract, uh, to bring in a, a seasoned manager who uh, is bilingual and has had great success handling all kinds of players, regardless of what country they're from. So I was very disappointed for Ozzy that that didn't happen. Uh, the Melvin part of it, David, is all about the, uh, the, the money. It's all okay. money. Uh, so Bob Melvin was making $4 million with Oakland. <laughs> Bob Mel- Melvin has been there 11 years. And as you said, David, considered to be one of the very top guys in the game. He gets the most out of players with low payrolls in Oakland all over these years, gets them to the playoffs, uh, just considered one of the top people in the game. <clears throat> Oakland is in a last-ditch effort to try to get a stadium deal done in Oakland and stay there. If they can, uh, they're going to be spending a lot of of their own money as well as uh, county and state money to have that new stadium. They are tightening the belt. The the consensus is that uh, they're getting rid of all payroll, and that'll come into one of our other segments later on with one of their players. But uh, the idea of saving $4 million on the manager... Okay. Sounds ridiculous, but it indeed is important for the Oakland A's who allowed him to go without any compensation whatsoever to the San Diego Padres. That's the, that's kind of the mind-blowing part, but it shows you uh, that they were more interested in saving the money than saving one of the best managers in the game. That's stunning to me because Billy Bean is one of the best executives in baseball, and to let Bob Melvin walk out the door without any compensation in return you, you got fleeced. Now, maybe that is part of your narrative and part of your biz, business plan. But from a baseball perspective, to get nothing back for a guy who has done such good work for you over the years, I don't know how they let that happen, but good for the Padres, I suppose. Even though I was disappointed for Ozzy too. I know he wanted this one. I know that you, know, we, you saw from his reaction expressed on social media how badly he wanted this one. He thanked the Padres for the first opportunity, I think he said, Bruce, in nine years. It's a shame it's been that long that Ozzy has gotten a chance to tell a general manager and ownership group what he could bring to a franchise. I think he still has something to offer a team that wants to get over the top. He may be that guy. Maybe it's here in Chicago. I don't know. I'm not going to start anything. Maybe it's down the road, but he's Well, you still mean with relative. the Blackhawks? Yeah, no. no. <laughs> Ozzy could break down the power play probably with the best of them and maybe know how to uh, kill penalties. And boy, he would be feisty killing penalties, wouldn't he? But I don't think that's the case. Bruce, Ozzy wanted this job, and I think he had the support, I have learned, 
of some of the biggest names on that roster. Manny Machado, who Ozzie Guillen has known since he was a 10-year-old kid in South Florida, went to bat for Ozzie to management and to ownership. And I think that they picked Bob Melvin, and it's understandable, but still disappointing for Ozzie Guillen, a guy who deserves another chance. Well, I think Ozzie's still he's still a young enough guy that uh, he, he's going to get a chance down the road here. And who knows, after Tony La Russa is done managing the White Sox, yeah. it could be a perfect segue for Ozzie to return. Uh, at that point, uh, maybe Jerry and his family are no longer running the White Sox at some point. Uh, you know, the White Sox could be sold down the road. Uh, Ozzie certainly has uh, the the wherewithal and the uh, support in Chicago to be able to come back and, and segue. But I think it's Tony LaRusso's job <clears throat> for the next couple of years as they uh, try to uh, go ahead and uh, try to win a world championship with that very good talent that they have. Bruce, before we get to some of the Cubs news of the week, I want to ask you this question. It's a good question from a texter from 312 says with the, in light of the World Series, you have, look at Brian Snitker, you have Dusty Baker, you have two old school managers. You have two guys who have been around for a very long time uh, doing the job. Does that, should that make White Sox fans feel any better if they were kind of hedging about, well, you know, Tony LaRusso's back for another year. Is, is this one of these, you know, trending things that now you can trust, you should trust old school managers because look at the World Series as proof that these are the right guys to have in your dugout if you want to win? I don't think age is uh, is really important. I just think it's the individual and the man and how he fits in that organization at that particular time. <clears throat> the only pushback, the only reason we got so much pushback from from Tony was not necessarily the age, but it was uh, how, the, uh, how the decision was made. I think that uh, right. a lot right. of people... Right. Right. Uh, didn't like the idea that uh, this this was what Jerry wanted and this is what Jerry got. And uh, as it turns out, it was a pretty good-looking decision because uh, from the player's standpoint, I think from fans' standpoint, I don't think anybody really out there uh, was harder on Tony La Russa than Tony La Russa. I mean, right. here was a guy that called himself out on mistakes, not knowing rules at one time, uh, the Mercedes incident. Uh, if you look back at the Mercedes inc- incident, it proved to be pretty much right on. I mean, uh, so w- with all of that, the, the important thing is that before anybody else called Tony LaRusso out, he would call himself out. And I, I thought that was refreshing. So age is, to me, means absolutely nothing. Snicker, uh, you know, was, was a guy that was in the Atlanta system for a million years, uh, a coach in the minor leagues, a manager in the minor leagues. And uh, he's just a good baseball man. Larusa, a good baseball man. Uh, younger guys, you know, that are, are running teams, you know, all over baseball. Good baseball man. I don't care whether a guy's 76 or 36. Uh, if he can run a baseball team and he can manage and, and communicate with the people in that organization, that's my guy. Great segue, Bruce, because 36 years old. Hey- Oliver Marmol is 35. He's the new manager of the St. Louis Cardinals. They had an opportunity to go different. They got rid of Mike Schilt. Were they looking for somebody to execute the, 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 the plans of the front office and use analytics more, or were they looking for a manager to be his own guy the way a lot of these experienced guys are? That's to be determined. Uh, staying in the organization uh, smacks of 
that they feel that they know the guy. They've given him an opportunity. He knows the players in the system. He's been there forever. Uh, it's just Shilk uh, with a different uh, name on the back of the jersey uh, because uh, that is, you know, that is just That's I know what you're thinking. You've ever offered Bruce. <laughs> That's well, but I, but I mean, Schilt is a very good baseball man, and there was nobody that thought his job would be in jeopardy. But he stood up for what he thought was right. John Mozeliak, the uh, president and general manager, said there was a, a huge difference of opinion. A lot of it was probably about analytics and the uh, the hitting instructor for the Cardinals. Regardless, uh, the Cardinals uh, forever, except maybe one difference in the last 25 years, uh, Tony La Russa hired in 1996, have stayed in their organization always to uh, hire their managers. And if the White Sox still want to explore the idea of bringing Mike Schilt into the dugout as a bench coach, as a That's as a your colleague, idea. I, I'm saying, Bruce, he still doesn't have a job. He's not going to get hired <laughs> in San Diego. Maybe he'll work for the Mets. Who wants to work for the hmm. Mets? They've had that job turned down now several times. Uh, in terms of the front office, yeah. Mike Schilt would make a lot of sense in a lot of dugouts. I, I don't I don't think you're wrong. I do not think you're wrong. I think he's a wonderful baseball man, uh, just like we saw Ricky Renneria brought in by the White Sox after he was fired from the Cubs a year later. <laughs> he was a terrific and still is a terrific baseball guy. Maybe yep. he wasn't the manager that they thought he would be and didn't, but that that doesn't diminish Ricky Renneria as a baseball guy or Schilt as a baseball guy. And, uh, you know, the, the knowledge of La Russa and Schilt having been together in St. Louis, you know, Schilt had been in the minor leagues managing at the time. <clears throat> I, I think the more good baseball men you bring in, the better off you are. That was the thought process of the Cubs when they went out to hire their assistant general manager. And that's the last bit of news we want to get to this segment, Bruce. Locally, the Cubs make official this week. We haven't talked about it. Essen Bakari is the new assistant general manager. He comes from the Astros, and he's working already. I find this very fascinating. Not necessarily that they get Bakari because he's got a bright background. He started with the Dodgers. He's young. He's, he fits the mold of the kind of executive the Cubs want to fill the front office with. But, Bruce, the Astros are in the midst of the World Series. For this guy to leave their front office in the midst of a World Series to start working for the Cubs already tells you how urgent the Cubs' needs may be. And I, I found that very interesting little tidbit about this move. Well, it also shows you how important it is that they, you know, that I'm sure Jed Hoyer and Foreign Bakari, look, uh, we need to start yesterday with you in the R&D, helping run the R&D department and all the analytics that you uh, bring as far as uh, evaluating players. Uh, we need that now. We have a new general manager that we want you to work with. Uh, and uh, and me and we need you right now. So you're gonna have to start now. You can get your uh, American League Championship ring or World Series ring down the line. But uh, you know this is this is where we're at, and and that's what's happening. He's over at Clark and Addison. He has been this week. He's already working. So uh, this is uh, an important part uh, with the uh, offseason beginning here uh, next week after the World Series ends, uh, whether it's uh, Sunday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. And uh, free agency beginning right away. Uh, the Cubs have to jump on that right away, and, and they need their top people uh, all together working now. Bruce Bakari's background is with the Dodgers and the Astros, and he's the director of research and development. He has a history 
with uh, the strategic decision making that is rooted and immersed in analytics? Is he one of those guys that doing the research and basically telling you what lineup makes sense and, and one of those guys who you never see but has direct impact on what happens on the field? I don't know about that you never see him. I, this is a pretty high profile job. The, the Cubs have three assistant general managers. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, they're, they're all very, very important to the team. Uh, Jeff Greenberg, uh, Craig Breslow, uh, these guys are extremely important and essential to what goes on at uh, Clark and Addison and uh, what goes on with uh, Jed Hoyer and his group of baseball people. And uh, Bokari is going to be the same way as Hawkins, the new general manager. So this is a young, energetic group that is getting going over there on uh, the north side of Chicago. Carter Hawkins, general manager. Uh, you now have Essen Bakari as the assistant. They have some new blood. They have some new voices. I think they needed some fresh voices, Bruce, and now they head into the offseason uh, with, with the new outlook, perhaps some new perspectives, which will, which will do some good. I, I'm very curious how aggressive they will be. They will be, you know, sounds good now. And, and we'll talk about this moving forward. You've got 88-win team in the World Series. The Cubs with a vow to compete in that division and, and compete for a playoff spot. Well, that would be in the 85-80-win to 80 win victory realm, range. Is it realistic to expect them to make that kind of a jump? I'm not putting them in the World Series next year, Bruce. But don't they have to go into this offseason thinking that they are a 85-88-win to 88 win type of a team in 2022? I think so, and and you know, really, what are, what are the strengths in the National League? If you take away the last month of the season, the St. Louis Cardinals were the same as the Chicago Cubs. I mean, the, for five months they played uh, the same type of baseball. So, uh, w- with all of that in mind, David, I, I think you can. Uh, the Dodgers, Dodgers are are one team. You know, certainly the Braves are another. But it took the Braves until the second week of August to start playing over 500 for the year. So I, I don't, I don't think it's, it's a huge leap in thinking that if you start to tighten up and bring in uh, a few very good free agents and tighten up the pitching, that you're a competitive team in, in the national league. I don't think the Cubs are there as we stand today. Uh, I think they're far from it, but five or six uh, stealth moves in the off season here, I think brings them a lot closer to that goal. He's Bruce. I'm David. We are here inside the clubhouse until 11 o'clock. What do you think? 312-644-6767. We are talking baseball. We are talking Cubs, White Sox, World Series. And next, we're talking to Bob Nightingale from USA Today here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670, the score. Against the lefty, Darno flies one into center. Radio 674. Thank you, Fox, for that highlight from World Series Game 3. Last night, a 2 0 victory for the Braves over the Astros. Bruce Levine, David Haw here until 11 o'clock. And we are pleased now to go out to our guest hotline, sponsored by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. That's where we find USA Today baseball writer Bob Nightingale. Good morning, Bob. How are you? Yeah, doing great. Thanks, David. Thanks, Bruce. Emotional game one, game three last night, Bob. 
in Atlanta for the first time for the World Series since 1999. Hank Aaron tribute pregame. How would you describe that emotion of that moment and, and how that led to what was just an electric atmosphere and a really uh, a well-played game by the Atlanta Braves? Yeah, it was a very nice moment. You know, it was uh, you know raining and cold. They were in the show going to have it for a while, even the pregame, uh, uh, you know, introductions. But, yeah, very nice. And you realize how much it meant to uh, meant to everybody when after the game, you know, uh, Brian Snicker, Atlanta's manager, uh, had to compose himself just talking about hugging Billy Aaron, you know, uh, the widow of Hank Aaron, and then saying how much he missed Hank. And Hank, of course, is the person who actually hired him, you know, almost 40 years ago. Bob, uh, first of all, welcome. Good morning. Always great to have you on and uh, get your expertise on what's going on in baseball. And uh, I guess following up on uh, David's question, you know, Atlanta, you know, went to the playoffs 14 years in a row. And there was a uh, there, there was kind of a rap on Atlanta baseball fans that they were kind of passive because they the only one won world championship in that run in 1995. And it seemed like uh, they couldn't fill the ballpark all the time for rounds before the World Series. I, I wonder if, if, if you, you felt there was a, a slight change in, in that and the uh, thirst by the Atlanta fans was a little bit different now with their new ballpark and not having been to the World Series in uh, 22 years. Yeah, very much so, Bruce. It's much more animated, more lively, uh, a younger crowd. Uh, that area, you know, they call the battery uh, around the ballpark, a little bit like the, you know, like ten times the size of the ballpark village, uh, is as wild a scene as I've seen. You know, I was joking that that battery scene during the NLCS when they knocked off the Dodgers, it made Wrigleyville look like a church social. I mean, it's crazy there. <laughs> uh, it's nuts, and they. Uh, yeah, I was talking to Terry McGurk about that, the CEO. You know, and he says, you know, people got spoiled back in the day. They were saving their money. Uh, they weren't going to those playoff games. They're kind of sent for the World Series. And you're right, Bruce. That seemed much more corporate when this one seems much more real. So how do you explain how the Braves shut the Astros down to two hits? I mean, that is – Ian Anderson, a rookie, throws five no-hit no hit innings. Uh, they, they go to the bullpen. It gets even better. Bob, this is a Braves team that every, every button Brian Snitker pushes is the right one, and they're, they're getting hot at the right time. It's really something to watch. Yeah, I mean, with a beat-up pitching staff, when I mean, you have, don't have Charlie Morton, you have, you know, they're going to try to win this World Series with only two starters, you know, Anderson and uh, Max Freed. And Max Freed has, you know, kind of melted down in the uh, in the World Series. But yeah, it's, it's amazing what Anderson did. You know, as, as Dusty Baker said, he was effectively wild. And that bullpen, you know, it's absurd. It, it's amazing down the stretch. It looked like that's going to Achilles' heel. Like, okay, they'll, they'll blow a couple of games during the uh, postseason, and they have it. And they're pitching an awful lot. Uh, you know, so far, so far, getting away with it. As far as Bob, as far as the uh, the series goes, we got ten runs for one team, nine for the other in three games. Uh, you're talking about two really potent offenses uh, and and two beat up pitching staffs. What kind of surprise is that for you, knowing that uh, you know there's hardly any starting pitching left, as you said, for Atlanta, and and Houston comes in losing their top pitcher before the uh, before the uh, ALCS in uh, McCullers, uh, but. 
yet for some reason, uh, pitching is still dominant right now. Yeah, it's almost like a, uh, you know, it's so streaky too. The first two games, I mean, couldn't have been, you know, opposite from each other. But yeah, it's, it's just the the scouting and everything else, I think, just gets so good and able to, you know, to shut down the top guys. Uh, you know, look at, at Atlanta's team. You know, Ozzy Albies has kind of you know, disappeared. He hasn't done much at all. Alex Bregman probably got a hit last night, but he hasn't done much at all either in the postseason. It seems like teams just, you know, focus on shutting down a couple of guys and then kind of triple down effect. You know, guys don't make the same mistakes as they do in the regular season. Uh, in the postseason, you know, maybe just focusing better or, or what have you. But, yeah, that night and day, the way the, these offenses look uh, in September compared to October. We're talking with USA Today baseball writer Bob Nightingale here on Inside the Clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score and breaking news on the score is brought to you by DuckDuckGo. Protect your privacy online for free with DuckDuckGo. DuckDuckGo, privacy simplified. And away from baseball, real quick, Bruce, the Bears have announced Matt Nagy remains in the NFL's COVID-19 protocol and will not coach in Sunday's game against the 49ers. Chris Tabor, the special teams coordinator, will serve as head coach. Matt Nagy not coaching Sunday against the 49ers. Wanted to get that in. We'll, t- we'll talk about that later. Um, we want to finish up talking baseball. Uh, Bob, you're in Atlanta. You're awaiting game four. It's a pivotal game four. That kind of goes without saying, isn't it? There's always pivotal game fours. Um, what do you expect? How do the Astros combat? How do they counter? What is, uh, what is your expectation for how this series goes the next two nights? Well, I, I always thought it was going to go seven. I, yeah, I still believe that way. I think, you know, Zach Greinke, you know, the, the old veteran for the uh, Astros, this should be his last start uh, in Houston. Uh, for Houston, I I think he pitches well. I think he's going to pitch a dominant five or six innings here. You know, he hasn't gone long, has been hurt and beat up and everything else in months. But, you know, he's, uh, you know, really looking for the chance to, to, to hit, to hit one last time. I mean, he should be the last two games a pitcher ever hits uh, in the World right. Series. So uh, I, I think he's going to do well. So I, li- I like Atlanta to to win this game, and I, I think for Atlanta, they need to go back to Houston, up 3-2 if they have a chance, because then they'll have Anderson for game seven, and I, I don't trust Max Reed. He's just not the same guy. Yeah. Bob, in, in uh, uh, w- locally, the Chicago White Sox, uh, you know, Tony LaRusse is coming back. Uh, Paul Sullivan talked to him the other day. He confirmed it. It's no surprise there, but uh, you reported about 10 days ago that uh, on the Craig Kimbrell situation, uh, the White Sox have a, a $16 million option on his contract to pick up. And you reported that uh, the White Sox will pick that up and then uh, and then look for a possibility of a trade for Kimbrell, who would be someone else's closer and certainly not the White Sox closer while they continue to have Hendricks. Uh, what's the, what's a little of the background on that story? What, what, what are you hearing there? Yeah, well, first of all, I don't know why it was even a uh, a thing with Tony Larusa. He was always coming back, so there was right. never uh, any it doubt. It was Tony. It was Tony that uh, <laughs> he was the one that uh, ran all that uh, out there. So that's why. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, here. but it was it was silly. Yeah, he was never not coming back. He's got a three year deal. Uh, but anyways, with the uh, yes, I mean the bottom line is Kimball. You know, is it coming back to White Sox? It didn't work. I thought it was a I thought it was a big gimbal in the first place. I mean, you know. Bruce, these closers do not like to pitch in the eighth inning. Uh, 
and Kimball's always been like that, you know. Uh, so he struggled big time in that. And, you know, if people talk, you know, so many people say future Hall of Famer. I'm not sure about that at all. Uh, very good pitcher, very good reliever. I, I don't consider him a Hall of Famer. Uh, but I, I just think it'd be embarrassing, real embarrassing for the White Sox to just simply, you know, release him, let him go, don't pick up that option. You know, and then the Cubs want him, they can just bring him back. So now you got Matt well, you think, uh, Bob? Trade. Bob, do you think that someone's going to pay $16 million or the White Sox are going to have to uh, eat some of that in, in order to get a good player back for Kimbrell because of the fact that he uh, he pitched so miserably for them uh, as a, a setup man? I think we'll have to eat some of it, Bruce. I, uh, you know, maybe $3 million, $4 million of it. I think worse comes to worse. You bring him to spring training, show everybody he's healthy and everything else, and go from there. Uh, I think it would be a, uh, you know, uh, very embarrassing, you know, you know that trade. There's going to be like a laughing stock, like, oh, my God, you got Campbell for two months and uh, gave away your starting second baseman and got nothing in return. So there's too many teams that need uh, back-end relief, too many teams. So if they uh, did not pick up Kimbrell, you'd have, you know, 29 other teams trying to get this guy. Bob, take a step back. So big picture, you we're looking at a Braves team that won 88 games. We're looking at a Braves team that went into the trade deadline after losing, you know, perhaps their best player, all-around player, and they rebuilt their outfield. They were aggressive at the deadline, and and here they are on the verge of uh, of winning a World Series in their minds. What's the takeaway from the league standpoint as it approaches, as maybe pertains to the trade deadline philosophy, then also here locally – does this reinforce teams like the Cubs, who are seem miles away from competing for a World Series, but going into next year thinking if you're competitive enough, if you get to that 85-88 game threshold, you can do something in October? Well, I think it certainly spoke to last year's deadline, David, in the sense that you know the Cubs went through a bad ten day stretch and and you know and said we're we're done, wave the white flag. Uh, where you know certainly Atlanta could have done that. Everybody mm-hmm. you know. Somebody expected them to do that. Nobody thought they'd be aggressive. It worked out like a charm. And they got four outfielders that anybody in baseball could have had. Uh, they gave up nothing for those guys. And, and look what they've done. But, yeah, I, I think they'll expand the playoffs next year. I'm not as confident as I was before, but I still think they'll expand. So it makes it, you know, makes it really hard for teams to sell that to their fan base. We're building for the future, you know, when, they, uh, when you got a playoff work to win. But I think what Atlanta did shows everybody – Hey, if you just have a remote chance here, you know, go for go for this thing, and uh, you know, worry about the future later. Bob, as far as the CBA and uh, you know the collective bargaining agreement between the owners and the players, December first, we haven't heard a lot of activity. We we saw some posturing from uh, both uh, Tony uh, Tony and Tony Clark, the Players Association head, and uh, Rob Manfred at the beginning of the World Series. What's your take on it? Do you think there's uh, there was activity going on? And uh, for, for, at this point, do you think there's going to be a disruption in the 2022 season? Yeah, I'm in the minority here, uh, Bruce. But I, I think they'll have a CBA done. You know, whether it's done December 1st, you know, why not maybe how about December 8th, December 15th, something like that. Uh, but during the World Series here, they met just about every day. Uh, you know, they're meeting several times a week. And uh, it seems like every year of the CBA, everybody predicts doomsday and something gets done. I still believe something gets uh, done. I mean, the bottom the bottom line is, 
if, I don't care if you miss one day of spring training game, I think it'd be disastrous for baseball. I mean, baseball's in, you know, in, in some trouble here. I mean, right now, what is the, the Generation Z or whatever it is, has baseball as the sixth most favorite sport. Uh, the first two World Series games were least watched World Series games of all time. So they cannot afford, you know, anything to uh, upset the fans. And we had, what, uh, 28, 20 to 30 teams had a drop-off in tenants. The only two teams were the White Sox and Padres. So they can't afford it. Uh, players players lost two-thirds of their salaries during the uh, pandemic, and the owners uh, lost, uh, you know, $3 billion a year ago and lost money again this year. So I, I think something gets done. I really don't do Bob, uh, David and I appreciate you uh, joining us uh, from the World Series. Uh, have a good time covering it. Uh, what's your prediction uh, for the rest of the way? You know, I, uh, my heart tells me uh, Astros, obviously, because of Dusty Baker. Uh, I picked Atlanta in spring training to, go to, the World, to win the World Series, so I, I got to stick with them. Uh, you can flip a coin, and you really can. I think the Charlie Morton thing still kind of flips the tables towards Atlanta. Right. But uh, Atlanta's tough, uh, so I'll, I'll stick with Atlanta. But my heart certainly tells me to Astros. Yeah, I Keep hear up the good you with work, those, Bob. Dusty. Appreciate you joining us uh, from the World Series, and we will continue to talk to you throughout of what we think will be pretty active off season here in Chicago. Thank you, Bob Nightingale, USA Today. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Bruce. Take Bruce, care, Bob. We will come. When we will come back here on Inside the Clubhouse, we're going to shift gears a little bit. We're going to go football. We got to we got to address this Bears situation because breaking news is Matt Nagy is not coaching tomorrow against the 49ers. He will be uh, restricted because of COVID-19 uh, protocols. Chris Tabor will take his place. We will talk about it next here inside the clubhouse. Going football for one segment here, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy. The score. Hey Matt, I hope you're feeling well. Um, can you can you give us uh, any update on how things are going for you and whether you've gotten that first negative t- test that you need yet? Yeah, I don't have any updates yet in regards to all that. I'm, I think the biggest thing, Jason, is is for me is just to be able to uh, to, to listen to uh, our head trainers in the league and just them letting me know, um, you know, whether I'm on or off of the, uh, the, the COVID protocol list and, and the COVID list. And as of right now, I'm on it, you know, so I appreciate you asking. Welcome back inside the clubhouse here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 score. Usually talking baseball as we do every Saturday morning, 52 weeks a year, 9 to 11. But we interrupt this baseball show to bring you some breaking football news. Breaking news on the score is brought to you by Duck Duck Go. Matt Nagy not coaching against the 49ers on Sunday. Chris Tabor, special teams coordinator, will take his place. Matt Nagy on the COVID protocol list. He has not been around all week at Hallis Hall. Uh, presumably coaching from his basement. We bring in now, it's Biggs time on a Saturday, a special bonus Biggs time. Brad Biggs is the Chicago football uh, guy, the football guy for the Chicago Tribune, joins us on the Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas hotline, home of the world's largest sports book. Brad, what is your reaction to the news today? Well, it's not surprising given the fact that uh, Matt Nagy had been out all week, guys, and, and the rules state that uh, – He's got to be able to return two negative PCR tests 24 hours apart. So if they're ruling him out at uh, you know 10 a.m. on Saturday morning, that means he hasn't gotten that. Uh, I would assume that means he hasn't gotten that first negative test back yet, which would mean there's no way he's going to get 
uh, the second one back in time for uh, in time for kickoff. So Chris Tabor uh, in charge at Soldier Field for uh, a big game for both teams. Both teams entering uh, tomorrow's kickoff guys desperate for a victory. All right, Brad. So we've been talking all week on Moline Hall about the impact potentially if Matt Nagy isn't there. Chris Tabor, special teams coordinator, a lot of respect in the locker room, been around a while. If a fan's going to Soldier Field, if they're watching the Bears on TV, what changes might they see, if any, in the, in a Chris Tabor coach team? And what are the possible pitfalls if you have a guy stepping in in an interim basis to, with the coaching mechanics on a Sunday? Well, I, you know, the pitfalls are, could, could be numerous. You know, what's going to happen when he's got to make a critical decision uh, in a very short period of time? You, you know, it, it's it's not like he can press the pause button as he uh, confers with the other coaches on what are we going to do in terms of this play that maybe I should break the red flag out on or not, right? You know, you've only got a, a, a few seconds there to decide if you want to throw the challenge flag. Are you going to go for it on fourth and uh, two and a half at the 49-yard line, or are you going to punt? You know, those are decisions that – when we see them happen in the game um, and, and maybe they don't go the right way, it's really easy to ask questions about it after the game and then consider all the possibilities and, and either criticize it or support it uh, after the game. He, he's going to have 20, 30 seconds uh, in real time to make that happen. So I think that, you know, the number of pitfalls could be numerous. Chris Tabor does have head coaching experience. It's been quite a while. 2001 at Culver Stockton, an NAIA program in Missouri, he led the Wildcats to a 6-5 and five season, which was their first winning season in 15 years. That was a long time ago. Culver Stockton's been mighty bad since then. The Wildcats have had one winning season since Chris Tabor was the head coach. Although you got to give him credit, I think they're six and two entering uh, this weekend. So he's able to take a program that's had uh, what two winning seasons in 35 years or something, and he was able to be the guy behind one of them. Uh, now, will any of that translate to Sunday? Probably not. Um, but as a special teams coordinator, he deals with guys on the entire roster, and you don't want to take Bill Lazor or Sean Desai and pull them away from. Uh, their duties during the week or on game day. Brad Biggs, uh, the Bigfoot football writer for the Chicago Tribune, joining us on Inside the Clubhouse, talking about the breaking news. Uh, Matt Nagy will not be coaching the Bears this weekend. Uh, Brad, uh, with technology being what it is, which is uh, superlative as far as uh, uh, audio and uh, technical uh, situations, is it possible, and again, it's going to take a little speculation right now, but is it possible that Nagy will be in touch with both the offensive and defensive coordinator throughout the game and that uh, he will have input uh, and that the offensive and defensive coordinators uh, will be calling most of the game uh, plan from upstairs with Nagy in charge? No, that that would be... I believe a, a pretty serious violation of league rules. The, um, in fact, the Cleveland Browns got slapped with the penalty uh, for something that wasn't uh, 
quite as uh, far-flung as that a couple years ago when the GM was phoning down uh, to the sideline during the game uh, uh, about certain things. And that was the general manager at the stadium trying Mm -hmm. to – have some influence in, in what was going on. And so th- there was uh, a considerable penalty uh, for the Browns organization. So I don't think uh, Matt Nagy is going to be calling shots from his basement, from a hotel, wherever he did talk about yesterday. He was like, he didn't know exactly what he was going to do uh, Sunday. If he couldn't be there, he didn't know how big of a television set he would need. So I guess he can, you know, order that up now. Uh, you know, I need uh, 80 inches or what? I don't know. You know, I mean, I'm imagining they're going to have a pretty big screen for him uh, to be able to watch the game Sunday. But I, I think they could be in big trouble uh, if he tried to coach from uh, from parts unknown. This could be like your basement, Brad. One last quick thought. Does this have any impact emotionally on a Bears team that needs a win badly, needs a win desperately? As you pointed out, both teams are a little desperate as they come in here. You, you look for edges, you look for little things. Could this emotionally give the Bears a boost because their their head coach tested positive and he can't be where he wants to be? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we're talking about professional athletes um, that, that shouldn't need a whole lot of exterior motivation when, when the team's been struggling lately. So I, I don't know that that gives them uh, any sort of boost here. You know, they've, they've got guys uh, – on offense that have they've been literally taking turns screwing up okay and it and it's across the board uh so those guys need to show up and and have some pride and and play a whole lot better uh on sunday i i can't i can't think of a way to spin this as a positive for the bears and, they, and they've got to stop this COVID train you know they right. Jermaine Effetti right. uh was uh w- was placed on the reserve COVID list yesterday they've gone through about a 15-day period now uh, where they've had way too many uh, staff members and players uh, involved in this, so they they've got to uh, they, they've got to clean that up and, and hope that they uh, have got some better fortune here moving forward quickly. Brad, thanks so much for jumping on with this breaking news. Really appreciate your time. All right, guys, have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. See you tomorrow. Brad Biggs from the Chicago Tribune responding to the breaking news here on the Score. Matt Nagy not coaching Sunday against the 49ers, tested positive for COVID, remains in protocol, will watch the game from home like everybody else. Chris Tabor will fill in as the interim coach, as the interim head coach for the Bears. He is a special teams coordinator. We'll continue to mention that throughout the show, but we're going to get back to baseball, Bruce. This is Inside the Clubhouse. We are talking baseball 52 weeks a year, and we've got a new segment. This is going to be a lot of fun, Chicago Bound. Who do you think could be coming to the White Sox or the Cubs in the offseason, whether it's via free agency or a trade? We will discuss that next here inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 670 to the score. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. For a 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.